war takes away guarantees for everyone. No one will have any kind of guarantees of security. And who will suffer from that the most? The people. Welcome to Mind the Words, where we break down quotes from thought leaders, past and present, to help us with the growth mindset. And this week, we don't have a quote. <laughs> but just from all the rising tensions and the day we are filming this is uh, within, within 18 hours of Russia attacking Ukraine. And I've been kind of loosely following the situation for the last few months and also the situation between China and Taiwan for the last few, last few months. And just kind of seeing what geopolitical things going on there, how it might affect us as U.S. citizens and just the world in general. So right now, i like pretty certain now that this news is like a little more or now definitely way more mainstream media, uh, meaning people are sharing it to each other who normally don't follow geopolitics and right. they're sharing it to each other on like social media. So that's what I mean by mainstream media. So I just wanted to first start this off with saying something about this guy named Ray Dalio, who's a famous investor. And he just wrote a recent book. He just wrote a book recently about how nations failed and succeeded in the past. And he kind of uses that as a framework to potentially try to see what's going to happen in the future because things are so cyclical uh, human behavior nations rising falling companies rising falling and just our human nature of kind of repeating either our mistakes or repeating our not mistakes our <laughs> or good things too so how we're so wrapped in repetition um even if potentially we try to avoid it. So something that Ray Dalio said in his book that when a rising power like a nation challenges an existing power, almost always leads to conflicts and not partnerships. Right. And just kind of to go back many, many years ago to like the Persian times when the Persians were killing it. They were, uh, the top of the food chain uh, back then, I believe in like the BCs. And then later on, the Macedonians, Alexander the Great, took everything over. Mm -hmm. They weren't friends. They right. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander just, just after that killed it. And then we, uh, the Persians were not in that, not power vacuum is the wrong word, but they're not in a place of power back then after Alexander the Great took over. And then a little more recently, 1700s, it was the Dutch that was pretty good. I'm not sure if they had a huge conflict, but then after that, it was uh, the UK Britain that was the world power. And then there were the two world wars. And then after the second world war, it became the US. Right. It brings me back to this quote by Scott Sagan that Ernest you chose for one of our prior episodes where he said, things that don't happen, happen all the time. Right. And maybe every day, every year, there's always these conflicts, these battles, these more mini wars between either tribes 
or countries that we never even heard of, maybe. Right. And it never took the scale as something like this. Right. Uh, Russia attacking Ukraine at this moment. And why is this so large scale right now? Because there might be nuclear weapons involved. And then nuclear weapons involved. <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah, it's nuts, dude. And I mean, I, no, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to, you know, piggyback off what you said regarding nuclear war. I mean, I can't even imagine war in these times with the technology we have and how advanced it is compared to what we even know or can even possibly think of. You know, uh, there's a portion of money that always goes towards technology for these kind of events or things of this nature. People are always prepared. You have to be prepared, prepare for the worst, right? Yeah. Um, and when we but think of we think of nuclear war, yes, but there's this other technology going on that I I can't even I can't even imagine, or you can't imagine, but can't imagine. Yeah. Like there's so many scary things, like uh right before they started physical attacks on the Ukraine, they actually right. had cyber attacks. So on their banks and, and their and their government right so people couldn't even draw money out before right. they left before they tried to leave before they try um, to leave right yeah and it's it's really nuts um because in the ukraine right now men ages 18 and up are pretty much the government was like hey you, you got to stay here we got to fight wow and I follow a DJ, and she's a techno DJ. Mm -hmm. Her name is DJ Nastia. I don't know if that's her real. I don't know what her real name is. <laughs> right. So it was interesting to see because last week it was just a, so such a different landscape because mm -hmm. that was when all the media was kind of saying, "Hey, like imminent attack, imminent attack." And then I looked at her Instagram. DJ Nastia, who was still touring at the time, like different right. countries and even playing in clubs in, in Kiev. She would post up these Instagram stories, like people were still partying. And I was like, oh, it, it can't be that bad. Maybe it's the media here that's like right. riling things up. Because if people on the ground is like saying, oh, well, you know, this has been happening for eight years. Right. And, there's not really much change and very similar to China and Taiwan. Uh, this thing has been happening for so many years and then until something happens. Right. What do you see in terms of things being in cycles and things happening that happened before? Do you see, where do you see this going or do you have um, any, or what in your mind, obviously it's a, it's just a guess you know, especially with infinite possibilities. Where do you see this going? Yeah, I I think logic has been kind of taken out of the picture. And everybody was naming all the logical reasons that Russia would not attack Ukraine. Right. Like, it's not financially beneficial to anybody. It's It'll really destroy 
Ukraine, the country, its people. And then on top of that, you have an internal struggle because people of Russia, the citizens themselves, do not really even support this. And then right. if you look at Russian news of like these high people in high positions, they're really scared just to talk to Putin because if they, they know if they say the wrong thing, they're going to die. So they're like stumbling on the words. They're like trying to be the most PC they can in front of Putin. Right. And just like, yo, uh, I, maybe we should uh, uh, like, uh, and they're like shaking while talking. And Putin's like, say it. Say it. <laughs> like, it's so nuts. So in my mind, I, I, I kind of don't feel there would be something nuclear and maybe that's just me hoping that um i mean i think we all i think we all kind of yeah. feel that way <laughs> and i i don't feel and i don't hope or i hope that there will not be a world war three and i think of it like how world war one started and world war two started mm -hmm. and lots of people were behind their leaders at at those times and started a started a huge war it wasn't just the people on top that wanted it right or maybe world war one maybe but world war ii like in germany the citizens like citizens before like get like all the pride right right and then over here it's like citizens are not for it <laughs> like right. russian citizens themselves so feel like just to give an example if we were if the just an example if the u.s were to offer citizenship to people in russia ages 18 to like 35 40 50 dude you know how many people would take that they oh, would yeah. have no citizens left All right so so i think from a from a very logical standpoint obviously none of this would make sense Right. I, I'm uh, the Ukraine president, Vladimir Zelensky, in delivering some speech at some point, he said, war takes away guarantees for everyone. No one will have any kind of guarantees of security. And who will suffer from that the most? The people. And just imagine what goes on or how people think when they don't feel secure. You remember one of the, my, I guess, one of my things, I forget what it was, we talked about in a prior podcast was having a sense of security. So when you have no security, your mind, your mind runs wild and you think of your options and everything surrounding it, you know? Yeah. And that brings me to a thought about control versus no control. Right. And like you, you can do so much of the things you can control. Right. But the things you can control is like the scariest thing like this like an attack like this scale you're right <laughs> it's out of your control completely out of your control yeah and what what can you what can one possibly do to obtain control in a, right. in a situation like this and even worse than this so it just it kind of makes me think of the history of the resiliency of human beings a little bit so just an example china so my ancestors chinese there was so much shit 
that was happening in China, like in in the BCs, all these dynasties, uh, all these different factions, they were killing each other. Emperors were getting poisoned left and right. It was like Game of Thrones, really. Right. And then all the the wars within factions, the the famine, and from the BCs all the way till now, I was born or a lot of my generation was born mm. to till this moment in time right so and then a whole bunch of things happened in between where there was a, another huge another two world wars for everybody and then in china after that uh huge famine and how there were so many things that were, it seems like so outside of the control and then survived through it but there were a lot of people that didn't make it Right. So what I thought about when I was kind of thinking about this last night, trying to sleep and <laughs> what's, um, sleep? <laughs> what's that? The comes of death. Right. <laughs> as Nas would say, I know. as I was thinking of this, I thought of it also kind of extremely granular where you could say someone lands on this planet and just explores like 10,000 years from now. They might see a few remnants of things like uh, maybe that that building was for, I don't know, a store or whatever, but they they won't have any remnants potentially of like what humans did or a particular person did. Like just an example, we knew that there were Samaritans like way back then, but we have no idea what any of the or what their biggest donors were to to make a hospital for back then or whatever right or their presidents or whatever it is or their tribe leaders we have no idea and it just kind of in a way it made me think that granular and how kind of i'm not trying to make this a sad thing but how no, kind no. of insignificant things are but at the same time it also made me zoom in as well and see how precious things are right and this goes this makes me think back of the interview we did with sherwin which he said i operate he said i operate on the mindset that we have a scarcity of time right and that's something we could control meaning we could do we could optimize our time for something like Rob Deerdick, the last podcast, one of the last right. podcasts we did. But at the same time, we don't know what's going to hit us <laughs> during You're that right. time. You're right. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, I was just thinking like how, how granular or zoomed in when you were learning about this, Ernest, how, or what were your thoughts and mindset kind of? It goes back to a little bit to what I was saying, you know, with especially when you talk about nuclear war whenever you think about nuclear war you think about next thing you know you're automatically thinking about time and yeah. what you do with it within my mind goes different places one minute it's it thinks of, or i i go in a direction about how much time i personally waste and if you notice that everything we do with technology is in a sense built to give us more time yet we still don't have more time 
it almost seems like we have less time to some degree. Obviously, the more time we have too, the more we have time to waste, <laughs> you know? So whatever yeah. time it gives us, um, you find yourself scrolling on through a phone, getting hooked on these little videos, two hours flew by. What did you do with that time? So it's really what you do with the time. And it brings you close to home as well about the things that are most important to you. You know, family, friends, less granular, but more intimate. Those people that are close to you. Yeah, this also talking about time mm-hmm. also makes me think of the interview we had with Mike who quit his job to pursue real estate or is going to quit at some point soon. And he said, uh, that his mentor said, show me your calendar and it'll show me your success. Right. And it doesn't, and I thought more about that. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, hell yeah, I got a calendar. <laughs> Filled it up with things to do. Right. <laughs> um, but it's not necessarily about filling it up with just your professional things to do. Right or what you think is, is productive. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I realized we should also be filling it up with chilling with the people you love and making that time for them as well. Right. This kind of also makes me think a lot about freedom. And I know in the past, I talked a lot about, oh, to get freedom, (laughs) you need a shit ton of money and you can do whatever you want. (laughs) But instead of thinking of it that completely that way, as I normally see, as (laughs) that's the logical way for me that I understand how to get freedom (laughs) is being inherently born or in an area that you, that you could freely express yourself and not get killed for it or jailed for it yeah just an example china china and hong kong when hong kong was taken over by the british for a hundred years when the british were leaving they were going to give hong kong back to back to china and hong kong was so happy at that time they're like hell yeah we're we're going back right and then years later they're they're so happy to see the last governor uh, from the from England come back to just visit mm. during all that craziness when Hong Kong was protesting against China, and they wanted a democracy. They wanted freedom. Freedom. They they want to be able to say something like something as trivial as "Yo, these taxes are too high" or something like that, and then right. and not be jailed for saying that. Right. So I find it really, as I was also thinking last night, I, I found that us growing up here in America, uh, not saying this is the only free country in the world, right. but, of course. but also I feel like we we're blessed with our geography. Oh yeah. Cause all that fighting world war, historically world war one, world war two, majority Europe. And we were we're fortunate enough to be in a separate continent that is at historically was not really attacked um, frequently. I mean, we did have major attacks on us, but the scale of frequency of attacks over there was just nuts. So it definitely made me 
not that I was undervaluing it, but I feel that it might be taken for granted. And say we grew up in China or something right now, dude, we would have no freedom talking as a Chinese person if <laughs> no one can see the video. But yeah, man, um, I don't know if if this many thoughts came specifically toward you, Ernest. Um, but I, literally, it was like a million miles of things in my mind. As you as you're talking, more more and more things are coming towards me but i didn't get that whole thing when i initially heard it i was like this is crazy but i didn't know how deep it was and i didn't know the whole story so yeah i mean a lot a lot more things are coming to me even just you know you you you, you sent me a text maybe about what three hours like three, three four hours. hours i was like three, yo when ago. can you record like you nothing record. before that no right. uh, no preface and, and i knew that if I didn't do it tonight, then my next day would probably be Sunday, but I could hear the, you know, your yeah. mind was, your mind was going. Yeah. <laughs> in I the was text. like, yeah. I feel like so I, I got, like, we got to get this out. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get it out. Absolutely. We glossed over a few things or there's one thing I want to talk about. Did you, you know, there's a thing called, we're talking about technology and war. There is espionage in the sense that I heard even things like these Russian diplomats, Ukrainian diplomats, you know, how they have these conferences or meetings. People are, are refusing to be swabbed at this point because these swabs are being used to kill people, get, to get their DNA. No, oh. like to get their DNA and use it for whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but there's a fear of that. Um, there's so much going on that we can't even think about. Like I said, it's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. There's, it's like such a complicated situation right. mm -hmm. that no one can even sum it up simply. Right. Mm -hmm. People and for the people too. Yeah. It's are now it's, dealing with it. Missiles being flown over their homes or in their homes yeah dude it's so nuts man and when i when i found out the news the attacks the physical attacks probably started around 9 30 p.m more or less to 10 p.m eastern time in the east coast and then i was actually following naval because naval okay. made a list of people who were accurately telling data about the situation okay um, so he compiled a list and then I was following that list on Twitter on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, is, is this on mainstream yet? Meaning right. our, our regular people in the U S who normally don't follow any of this stuff are, mm -hmm. are they sharing it with each other yet? Right. So literally I was following it all night up until maybe one or two in the morning. And then I had to wake up at 4 AM <laughs> to go to work. But I was like, so defeated at work. I was like, what? <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the, whatever. Oh, and then, man. and then by the time in the morning, like it was all over everybody's like, mm. not that I'm on a lot of social media. So I 
can't say it was on everyone's feed, but it was definitely people were sharing it for sure. Right. So yeah, that's like my thing. And I just kind of want to end my thoughts with just a a little thing I read. Sorry, it might take me a little time to find this. So <laughs> if you want to say any anything, I want to say while you're looking for it. Yeah. I know you can't probably, you know, gather your words, but I want to pivot a little bit to Ray Dalio. Yeah, of course. How how do you think this guy has been getting it right for so long in terms of the markets? What what do you think what do you think is going on? <laughs> uh so he's what we call an extreme like an a macro investor and one of the most successful macro investors and mm. what does that mean so there's a lot of types of investors there's okay. the people call value investors which is like warren buffett and they look at companies that have a great track record that have mm. been doing great for years so that's that's an example of a value investor and then there's growth mm. investing then there's like different different sectors of in, of specialties of investing so you maybe you have an investor that that's straight tech who knows all the tech stuff and they're investing in that or there's the investor that knows all about oil and and energy and they're going to invest in that sector and they'll, they'll know the ins and outs anyway so there's all these different ways of investing but if you look at it, they're kind of siloed in these investors into their specialty, where Ray Dalio looks at extreme macro trends, meaning okay. um, who's the world power right now? Who's going to be the new world power? How do I find out what's, what's the uh, trends of a rising new world power? And what's the trend of a world power falling? and who's going to be the next reserve currency so his look is so so granular so macro and not necessarily siloed in to a specific industry or a specific gotcha. type of companies so then he he and his team looks through history so he goes to history experts and he's asking them everything they know about all these great nations that existed in the past and trying to find out everything about those nations, They're, what type of leaders that they have, what what geographical locations they were at, like what type of warfare, going down to what type of monetary system, like were they trading seashells or whatever to get food, food or, uh, and then when did they make up their currency? And then which currencies lasted the longest? Because currencies also rise and fall. Right. So just because the dollar is here now, the U.S. dollar is here now, doesn't mean the U.S. dollar is going to be here in a hundred years. Right. Um, and I think there's only three currencies, I believe, from his book. Uh, he said that currently exists from like a hundred ish to 150 years ago, and one of them is the British pound. He, Sorry, go ahead. You know, he dives deep, but real, real deep. <laughs> and then he looks out yeah he he he's like a deep diver in the extreme the extreme general right. <laughs> and, i know but he does deep dive into all the specifics too i sure. started to read his book um 
well, I never finished it. It's a huge book, Principles. And if I remember correctly, and maybe you may know this because it's been it's been years, he started out in a niche area, no? Like looking at how certain things moved around. And then that's how he grew his business. And he started it in a room with just him and somebody else in a computer. <laughs> grind grinding through but they were like real niche they were looking how things just move for certain industry was it the railroad or something something like that oh i i had no idea i don't know but i guess you know as he grew he created these systems that look at everything like every aspect and connect dots that other people can't see you know i don't know yeah well he's been doing pretty good um but his his goal was is not necessarily beating the market for games okay. it's more putting his investments in a position that it'll thrive kind of in the future that's true um though it is doing like decently well okay um but how a lot of uh, fund managers are trying to beat the market and beat this index and that index. Uh, right. He's more like, All right, I'm going to look above that and right. <laughs> uh, see who the next world power is. And right. he literally breaks it down. Like these are the cycles, again, cyclical things that make up a rising world power and then they plateau. And then these are the things that make this these world powers collapse and crumble and then it happens over again and and over again and over again imagine if instead of rising and collapsing like the rising world power works with the existing world power like just an example the u.s works really well with china just right that's not the case right now but right <laughs> like who would met who would mess with that combination right no one nobody no exactly so you, this the sorry no go, ahead. Go, no go ahead no go for it all right before you give your quote do you think these world powers because everything is cyclical and patterns patterns do occur you know if you really really follow them you could see that they happened before do you think these world leaders are modeling other people from the past are they do you think they're also looking at the past to make certain moves that they're doing it you know i wouldn't take it off the table i feel like from my limited knowledge i feel that china is actually actually studies the past a lot i think okay. all right just because of the the moves that they've been making meaning like financial moves as well right. but to say they're doing better obviously they're a rising world power but mm -hmm. to say that they might be the next world power which is likely but just kind of knowing the sentiment that chinese people here in america have about china the government not the chinese people is they hate the chinese government mm -hmm. absolutely hate the chinese government and it's it's a lot of a freedom thing of course and also they they didn't forget the famine that the mm. government caused back then too so in terms of leaders looking at prior leaders in the past i ray dalio didn't really discuss that in the book he 
he discussed just what the country, the the actions of the country did. So I I wouldn't have as much information to go by if I were to think, oh, the this like Putin was looking at this leader in the past and was like, hey, right. uh, let me model that or like let me learn from that even. Right. Um, but to say that they've looked into history, I I don't know. But right. to kind of see this play out, um, I wouldn't say to the T of Ray Dalio's new book, um, Why Nations Fall and Succeed. It's it's really scary in a way because he said how nations fall is they go through three things. One is their monetary system. They get in so much debt. Um, it's usually when they they passed being a producing country to a consumer country. And he looked at all these great nations and even nations being back hundreds of years, uh, they got into a lot of debt. The second one was they had a lot of internal struggle. Mm. So very similarly, US has a lot of internal struggle. Russia right now, lots of internal struggle, but they can't express that even though they're expressing it now in protests. And then even worse of can't expressing it is the Chinese people in China. And knowing the culture like it, there is a lot of obedience in in the Chinese culture, but deep, deep inside, there might be flames of, of future internal struggles within the country between the people and the government. Right. It's just not really televised because they control the media. Right. And also, people, why would they speak up against the government if they're just going to get jailed? Right. So internal struggles. And then there's a few cyclicals within that. And then there's the third big thing. So it's uh, external struggles. So in the past, so sorry, let me just go back to the internal struggles one more time. Because they usually in the past has have ended in like a civil kind of war quote unquote where own citizens within the country whether it's a coup or or like the civil war in america most of the time in history it's ended in bloodshed Mm. the internal struggle within the country the last one is an external struggle like another competing nation and potentially and most likely war so it's really eerie if that's the right word um or grim that everything right now is happening and partially like it was a really interesting book (laughs) i kind of wish i didn't read it (laughs) (laughs) um but anyway my my quote that i was looking for maybe less of what we were just talking about but mike posner he's a singer and i just listened to an interview of his and he walked across america and he said i I met a lot of people and he said to get through through the surface level of getting to know somebody to straight into someone kind of telling you a lot more about themselves their true selves he said if i pray for you what should i pray for so that was kind of the quote i was thinking of when all this was happening that's a that's a good one yeah to get into the like 
the human aspect because it sounds so cliche obviously but no it has that's that gives you some insight it not only <laughs> does it give the person asking the question insight the person who's trying to answer the question <laughs> has to think has to yeah. really think about it john what should i pray what should i pray for you about did i ask the question right how does yeah, how would the question that's go? it yeah all right if i pray for you what should i pray for what should i pray for i think at this moment just because it's top of mind mm. just some peace right what about you man if i were to pray for you what should i pray for man give me a minute we'll get back yeah, to man. it hopefully before this podcast i'm gonna give some i'm gonna say something too generic right now all you right know? yeah it would be too generic all right uh before we end it we went to afford anything the get together um by paula pant who's in the fire community and fire means financial independence, retire early community. She's a huge proponent in the movement. She herself has a podcast and a community called Afford Anything. And this year, and just a few days ago, just hit her 11th year celebration or anniversary for Afford Anything. And her backstory is um, she was a writer for, I forget, a magazine or a newspaper or some kind of media company. And during the recession of 08, 09, 2010, it was really hard to get a job. She was in a dying industry. She quit her job, uh, paying her about $30,000 an hour, more or less. A year, right? Yeah, All a right. year. Not a day. And then she quit to kind of freelance, do her own thing, and everybody was like, like what are you doing like <laughs> you're you got the most generic college degree like english or whatever it was right and she did her own thing she figured it out she became a freelance writer she was writing all these for all these major publications and eventually she found her way in the fire community where she found out about it and or and the fire mindset and she just started to save up a lot more and then she played her hand in real estate, uh, which she's a real estate investor now and for many years. And then also she's played her hand in the content creation economy where she has a podcast and then she she created a community. So she's a powerhouse. Yeah. And uh, me and Ernest went there and just want to get your thoughts on the get together, man. First, um, it was interesting to see you outside of work in a different social <laughs> environment. <laughs> you know, we all paint a picture of who someone is, you know, loosely based off of everything we observe, the, our interactions, your reactions. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about you and just like everyone who watches this podcast through through us talking <laughs> over this podcast. And I have to say, I don't know who you are. <laughs> who are you? And is your name Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you navigated you navigated the room. So I'm gonna get to the part, you know, the networking event, but you navigated the um 
room like i like it was your event was this your event and people <laughs> thought i worked for for afford anything i i was about to say you know i would think that you were put there to to liven up the event to some degree <laughs> it's not to say he was dancing and you know it's just that he was really acting as a connector i mean introducing himself very outgoing i didn't really get that from you you know outside oh, work of, you mean yeah no, outside, you yeah. know you. no mind you very sociable very sociable extremely hard working you know but i didn't get i didn't get that i didn't get that aspect <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of went into it in all transparency, thinking it was like 80% networking, 20% like chilling, hanging out. Right. Um, but it turned out to be like maybe 95 to 99% chilling because that's right. the vibes that they were trying right. to put out there. Like just chill. Right. right. And like zero to 1% like a network right. event. Because so it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't and i went into there with the same mindset as that you know yeah entrepreneurship but people were just vibing but go ahead continue sorry no you're good man and my goal was like if maybe you work up the courage to ask paula paula pant from afford anything to come on the podcast and i figured like it, it'd be super aggressive to kind of ask and probably so many people are asking her even even though I know that, and I've also heard in her recent podcast that she's she's been going on different shows because she wants to expand her her reach and her community and afford anything and get more listeners and um, just have people learn more about the fire community and stuff like that. So I kind of had that mindset. And then when I saw her, super down to earth, really nice person, because I was talking her ear off for like five <laughs> minutes because I, I just, it's maybe starstruck is is the right word um so i was just like just kind of saying nonsense I, oh and and thank you for <laughs> for putting this together <laughs> and starting community which which i i am a part of their online community but not okay. really active but they're also super nice and then after that i i didn't speak to her again because <laughs> i just felt kind of embarrassed and i spoke one of the first people i met he's like yeah, I saw Paula, man. And then the first thing I said was happy birthday. He's like, oh my God, I blew my shot. I blew my shot at just talking to her like a human being. So in in the event, um, I was just meeting people. And then uh, the people I met, I would introduce them to other people I've met. And a lot of people came by themselves. And to be honest, it was, I, I was running on really little sleep. And at the end of the event, it was cool that I met Paul and I met a lot. We met a lot of cool people there. Mm -hmm. right. um, but at the end of the event, I was really thinking and I was like, I could have saved all this energy for <laughs> hanging out with my wife or right. like talking more to my friends, seeing my close friends mm -hmm. even. So it was it was a good realization for me after the fact that when I really thought of it, I was like, I, sh I should be spending more of this energy, this limited energy that I have mm. to, to the people really close to me already. Right. And I spent it on 
on on this event not saying it was a bad event at all it was a great event and we met lots of cool people but pretty much people that i me personally i'm probably not going to talk to anybody there ever again right so that was the realization for me and that was at that night i was like i'm i'm probably not going to do this again (laughs) right 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 but it was cool what was your uh, takeaways from it man i think I approached it like you, where I was looking at it as networking event, talk entrepreneurial entrepreneurial things or people trying to find a side hustle. And like you said, it was more just a chill and meet up, chill and meet up. But I'm t- I enjoyed hearing people's stories for the people that I did speak with. A lot of them have they look around, they all most of them look around our age, you know give or take five, yeah. five to eight years, but they have, a lot of them have their, their dates where they're going to retire. Some of them look very young. They put into work. Um, many of them have homes out of state and they're renting them out, just building a port, starting to build their portfolio. And it started with either the fire movement or Paula's real estate you know, course that they've taken. And it just shows that there's another way, you know, there's another way to do things. There are many ways to skin a cat, you know? So that was nice to see. But like you said, at the end of the day, I did, I think I approached it more networking. So I did bring up the podcast, you know? Yeah, that was great. I did bring up the podcast with people. I did ask, you know, I came across this nurse and she said she'll be willing to, you know, come on, come on the show. She's, she has her date to retire. She owns, she owns some real estate, which she's renting out. Um, She's, she did the whole real estate and the, you know, fire movement together type of thing, a combo. That's pretty good. So it was nice to hear still, you know, many ways, many ways to skin a cat, like I said. Yeah, uh, it was actually honestly pretty refreshing because not many people, this is not including my close friends. I'm mm-hmm. like just saying people we casually bump into, maybe like acquaintances, like they're not really talking about stuff like that in the fire community. Right. They're not talking about their retirement fund and right. their their uh, their side hustle or their real estate investment or mm-hmm. uh, whatever other investment they're into. I I've rarely found people that talk about stuff like that besides my close friends. Right, and I only have a few close friends, so it was and the rest of my days is like oh at, either at work or uh, at. Uh, seeing these patients and obviously we're not talking about these side hustles really and not many people are into that so i would just say it was really refreshing to just be around people like that that thought like that and thought like how we thought right and everyone was so nice you know they yeah. came there, they came there to show their appreciation and to share share their stories you know as I approached people and said, hello, it was more like, so how, you know, how long have you been following? How long have you been with, you know, afford anything or following Paula's podcast and what steps have you taken 
or what what have you taken from that and you know people are very open to share you know yeah this is everyone's trying to help each other out right this is what i've done and this is where i'm going this is my retirement date you know which <laughs> which is which is cool yeah financial freedom yeah man and uh big shout out to also ed from choose fi um mm -hmm. he's the founder of choose fi who puts together a community uh lots of resources um related to the fire movement and just about lots of side hustles investments and stuff like that so choose fi i think dot co or dot com mm -hmm. uh but he's one of the founders he was there at the event and he greeted me um and he greeted a lot of people because he was at the front of the door so big shout out to that guy and everybody who was there um Otherwise, oh, Ernest. Oh, sorry. Ed, go ahead. Ed Edmund. Edmund, yeah. Yes, yes. Edmund. We we share the same middle name, which is an odd middle name. T T E E. I, I broke the ice with him by telling him, you know, because it's a it's a weird name. But he said in China, it was a way to differentiate his name. So you'll see a lot of that. Yeah, he said he he he. I think he's a citizen of Singapore too. Oh yes, yes, um, yes, he is so mm -hmm. he uh he's out of china <laughs> yeah, yes he is. <laughs> he is all right uh last question for you ernest if i were to pray for you what am i praying for oh man you could give That's... me something top of mind just the first thing that pops up the first thing that comes to my mind is opportunity all right first thing that comes to my mind is opportunity in what way in 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 all aspects <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, because right now I'm thinking about the whole Ukraine, Russia situation. I'm thinking about what you were talking about with China. So the first thing on my mind is, you know, when you have opportunity, you know, sky is almost the limit you had, you know, it opened up your, it opened up your, it opens up your world to, you know, endless possibilities. But if you don't have opportunity, you kind of stuck or you feel stuck you mm -hmm. become complacent right at the end of the tunnel right all right let's end it on that note it's been right. about an hour and wow about an hour yeah wow i didn't even know <laughs> <laughs> all right Thanks for listening to Mind the Words. If you have any quote suggestions, email us at mindthewordspodcast at gmail.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. And see you next week to expand the growth mindset. Peace.